Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am Ben Standing and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I spent my Sunday afternoon in the Motor City for the Commanders and the Detroit Lions game. And lordy, was that a ugly, ugly first half by the Commanders. They trailed 22-0 at halftime. Go on to lose 36-27, a better second half showing, but clearly a lot of questions coming out of this one. And here to help me break it all down is the man, the myth, the Commanders reporter for the Washington Times, Matt Paris. Uh, Matt, before we get into everything, uh, wow. Uh, I'm still trying to process it. We think we both just filed, but what, what's your just quick initial thoughts at the moment here yeah I think the glaring takeaway is no matter how good this offense may be and they may be pretty good is that it might it won't matter if the defense doesn't improve and we keep saying that but it hasn't improved now and they're in year three of this the first year they were great but you look at the quarterbacks they faced last year was a disaster and this year man it it has been really ugly uh through two games Without a doubt, we'll get to all that. We'll talk about some injuries. We'll talk about the offense. We'll talk about that ugly first half, really, in all three phases. Uh, We'll do that in a second here um, on the podcast. Of course, if you're not already a subscriber, I encourage you to do so. iTunes, Spotify, you can also listen ad-free on the Athletic app. Just go and subscribe uh, through one of my articles. I'll have one up on this game, also focusing on the defense. You can go check that out. Uh, Of course, Twitter, you can always hit me up, at Ben Standig. Tell me what you thought about this game and where you are with this team after two weeks. And if you want to hit up Matt, he is at Matthew underscore Paris, P-A-R-A-S. Let's start with the start, because obviously... There was a lot of interesting stuff in the second half, and, and they did a much better job on offense. As I said, it was 22 nothing at halftime. They scored 27 points. They almost matched the Lions' total yardage, but uh, it was you know, a clearly one-sided game early on. And I just always think it's so fascinating. We talk, no matter what team it is, you do all the mental pre- preparation going into the game, going into the week, you get hyped up, you listen into the songs that make you want to, you know, thump somebody or whatever it may be and then you go out there and just look completely uh off i mean they the the we talked about the defense the offense didn't have a first down until midway through the second quarter uh tons of three and outs that certainly didn't help the defense which was already you know we know missing chase young cam curls out for a second straight game they lose two defensive linemen in the first half um daniel wise with an ankle casey's two hill with a concussion and Special teams couldn't get the ball. They couldn't run a kick back past the 20 for the most part. It was just a mess all over. And like I said, it's just fascinating why that's happened. I mean, this is just more about being a human being, I guess, than it is being a football player. But like to me, it's just that was just so glaring. We can talk all strategy we want. They just had no energy, it looked like, in the first half. And by the way, Detroit, on the flip side, yeah. crazy. The crowd was very loud. They were flying everywhere. They were making plays on both sides of the ball, sacking Wentz, all that. And uh, it was a bit, that, to me, was almost the biggest difference. Yeah, I mean, they were just a stylistically a much different team than Jacksonville, and I think that got to them. You know, Detroit was aggressive with their blitzes, but even on the pressure that they brought with just four, Aiden Hutchinson was really phenomenal in this game. Um, three sacks, it really got to the offensive line and I thought Wentz you know I I was curious I I looked up the number after the game he took 2.92 seconds 
to throw uh, today, which was considerably faster than what he threw in week one. That was 3.14. But I'm actually even further to want to see how that split varied by half because it felt like in the second half, Wentz started to get the ball out faster. They were able to take deep shots more. Uh, the first half, it was just he held onto the ball. It, the, the offensive line didn't give him much time to throw before pressure got there, and it was it was pretty ugly at times. Yeah, I mean, just to stay on that side of the ball, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, the second player picked in this draft, was an absolute terror. Um, I know there was a lot of talk about the Lions blitzing a ton, and we'll see what the final numbers were. They were getting to Wentz without a blitz. They were getting to him with a four-man pressure, and this offensive line, which you know, by and large, looked pretty good last week. Really was, was was laboring. Now, they did better in the second half. I think Hutchinson, I didn't check the status post, but I think he got banged up during the game, and, and that maybe slowed him up a little bit. But, okay, things were better. But, yeah, Wentz was definitely under tons of more pressure. Now, in the second half, you know, they Rivera said they basically just played better. Okay. Uh, and he had more time, and then he accordingly found the receivers and, and so on. But um, t- that was noticeable. But And, and this is where, you know, I, I, you know what this term it drives me crazy? Complimentary football. I don't know why I find that. It's just so annoying. It just sounds so third grade or something. Um, but this is an example of what that means, I think, because the defense, which, th- again, the success this team had last year during that four-game winning streak was the ball control offense keeping the defense off the field. And when you go three and out, consistently and the one time they didn't go through it out was because they had a safety on second down they they gave up a safety um the defense is going to get wrecked and that's what happened over and over again and you know they got to figure out how to get everybody on the same page Uh, by the way if i didn't already say this it's only week two so we you know the panic meter is uh you know it's not even out they're they're one and one it's fine but this is about what happened last year, and now it's happening this year with the defense, and that's why I think both of us wrote about that. Yeah, no, and I thought it was interesting, too, with how the offense was able to come back. I mean, you know, they, they cut it explicitly to a one-score game twice in the second half. They almost got it to three times, but they had that failed two-point conversion, and you just needed one stop, and the Lions not only scored, they scored fast to give Washington more opportunities, but they scored... In six plays, 70 yards. Four plays, 75 yards. You look at those drives, they had gains of 20 yards plus uh, on each of those drives. And so it was really damaging. And, and you talk about breakdowns in the secondary. I mean, that that has to drive Rivera nuts. He was really animated post games. He was trying a lot to, to hide his anger because he was, he was really animated. Let's talk about the reaction a, a, a little bit. And, you know, it's always a little bit dangerous to try to get into the mind of these people. But... Ron Rivera says things, and our job, not just as reporters, but fans, you know, what, what does he mean by, by by this? And he had some really interesting comments. First of all, they must have told the players after the game that whenever you're being asked, say things along the lines of, we need to go back and watch the tape, and the other team gets paid too, because everybody said these things. Like, at least three different players made both of those comments, at least to me, I, I, I probably to you as well, Rivera did as well. And... It's all true. Sure. I mean, sure. The, I, I I often wonder how do you know what broke down on a play? You know, we can all you know in our own lives, right? You think something happened, and then you're like, oh, if I could only have seen the replay, I would have seen that that didn't happen or whatever. But that was interesting. But in terms of Rivera, he made co- made a couple of comments in the post game with us about we got to make sure we're putting them, meaning the players, in a good position, as if he was sort of inferring that 
something was up with the coaching staff, was it the play calling? And I think there could be something to that, which I'll get to in a sec. But what was your – is that kind of what you were talking about with, with Rivera? And, like, just what, what did you think of all that? Yeah, no, it was. But at the same point, he was explicitly asked, hey, do you mean the coaching staff? And he said, well, we all have to do our part, but don't twist it. That's all on us. You know, it was – I think he picked up on where uh, Sam Fortier in this case was maybe trying to go or what was asking about. And, you know, what stood out to me about that answer is – if you remember how defiant he was last season when there was, I think it was like week five, and that was that Monday after that loss was, all right, what's up with Jack Del Rio? Like, <laughs> is this going to be the day? Or, like, how do you make a change? Like, even if you don't make a change to this coaching staff, like, how do you get this back on track? And he was just having none of it. You know, that he, he was really frustrated um, with that line of questioning. And so I think he was just trying to nip that in the bud here, but it was it reminded me of that point last season, and that was week five. This is week two, so it's happening even earlier. Yeah, no, for for sure. You know, it's interesting. Like, there's different types of ways you can get gashed as a defense. There's the nicks and cuts way, four yard run, three yard run, six yard pass, and then there's what happened today, which was 58 yard end around by Amon Saint uh, Ross Saint Brown. Uh, he had a he had a 49 yard catch as well off broken coverage. Um, he he uh, my colleague of the athletic Colton Pouncey covers the Lions shared with me a, a couple of quotes. Um, here is one of them about the 58 yard end around, and it gets to the point of like it because it felt like it's a, the Detroit had a counter for whatever Washington was looking to do. His quote was um, quote This was a play that we added in this week, and we knew if we got it, we would hit big. Um, Running back Craig Reynolds had a great fake as I got it. I mean, no one even knew I had the ball. I don't even think the safety that was looking at me knew I had the ball. And all I hear from the defense is, oh, shit. And I knew. I knew at that point it was going to be a big play. And there was another on the busted coverage. There was some inference to the formation they felt based on watching tape that they were going to be able to be successful. And this is why it's not for me that this one game happened that they gave up all these chunk plays. It's that last week against Jacksonville. They were fortunate, I felt, that Jacksonville missed on opportunities. We saw the Jags attack Jamin Davis, some success, and that they missed the one in the end zone to Travis Etienne. Detroit ran almost the exact same play to the other side of the field, also was just off, but they had other success there. And they really seem to have a good read, and it's two weeks in a row that the opponent has a good read. And just, sorry, just... If it's this early in the year, it's also yeah. off of a lot of what happened last year. And that's the point of, like, it doesn't feel like it's been cleaned up yet. Well, I think what stood out to me is I, I looked it up, and hopefully my math is right, but given that it's in my story, but it, they're holding teams on third down to just 28%. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. That's a huge improvement to where they were last year. But even though there's improvement in that area, there are other areas that aren't just nearly the same. The run defense is much worse than it was a year ago. You know, they held teams to the eighth fewest yards last year in that category. Um, that's I don't know what the ranking is this year, but I would imagine they're up there. Detroit ran for 191 today. So it it's very, you know, Rivera talks about the depth on the defensive line and how it's kind of depleted. I think that's where it really hurts because, you know, you look at this game in Washington, they ran a lot of five linemen sets. Uh, Daniel Wise got hurt. It just, you know, I kind of roll my eyes when there's talk of, like, should they have let Tim Settle go, I guess. Like, Settle was hurt, too, this week. Like, you know, injuries happen. But 
it's yeah, I mean, I, look, they need more Tim, bodies. Tim Settle wasn't John Allen or, or Jerome Payne. I think Daniel Wise is a reasonably interesting player. And look, they lost Fedarian Mathis last week. Uh, two more guys went down this week. Um, but yeah, you're right. The run defense. I mean, here's my thing also on this defense. Whatever they they, they looked at the situation last year and ultimately determined that. I guess they just needed more from these players because they didn't make any real changes. Effectively, they brought back 10 of the 11 starters. Landon Collins is the only guy out. As a reminder, Benjamin St. Juice was kind of what he is now, effectively an 11th starter last year before he had concussion. So, you know, they kind of almost brought back yeah. all their starters. Where they weak, got weaker was depth. Uh, the, you know, at all three levels seems to be pretty questionable. Ironically, the only position where it felt like it was okay was safety, and Derek Forrest has filled in somewhat nicely for Cam Curl. Um, but that's an issue. And then just how do you look at that group from last year and think we're good? And, and that's the part where I think is the troubling part because it, this is where you're at. Where I get it. It's early. We can all keep saying next week, next week, but like, yeah. it's not just next week. It's also last year. And I think that point needs to be uh, emphasized. Yeah. I mean, that's the risk they faced, right? You know, you talk about continuity and all the positives of that, of how they can gel together with, you know, more time, but mm-hmm. they haven't really gelled together so far. There are just consistent breakdowns in this defense. And, you know, I thought it was really interesting that, you know, if you look at past Ron Rivera teams, and granted he wasn't the GM in every spot, you know, there were people making decisions over him, but he told me before the preseason, like during the preseason, that they had changed their secondary pretty much every year, and it's not just one guy, a safety here, a cornerback there. It was pretty substantial, like, remodeling every year he was in Carolina, and when he got to Washington, that secondary you know got a facelift too so this is the year that they decided to roll it back and it has not been pretty it's not um let's talk about some positives sure um i think deron Payne is having a really strong start to the year sacks in each of the first two games there was one highlight where he just completely like ran over uh the guard that he was opposite against in the game you know obviously we, we all know his deal, contract year and all that, and he is certainly playing like a guy who is uh, ready to get paid, and, and I think that's a good sign. You mentioned the third down defense. Obviously, that is improved as well. On the other side of the ball, again, it it's hard to say the entire second half was garbage time, but, you know, it had sort of that feeling to it. And But at least all three of the top receivers, obviously Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, Curtis Samuel, uh, all finished with over 50 yards receiving. Dotson got his third touchdown in two games. Samuel scored again. Um, McLaurin, after getting nothing in the first half, literally a zero stat-wise, had, I think, 75 yards. So, like you said, the offense has got that potential. Uh, Antonio Gibson, eh, not not nearly as interesting as he was last game. Did score a touchdown, but really didn't. I, I don't have the – I'll look it up in a sec. But they didn't really have consistency on the ground. Uh, anything else for you that, that stood out? positively or yeah. or highlight one of those things well sticking on Dotson the fact that he's such a red zone target is even more impressive to me than you know he had the 40 yard catch he had the 24 yard catch the speed is good like he's not the fastest dude in the world and he shows he has good hands but the fact that he's able to create some separation in the red zone and that he's able to find like the perfect spot for uh, Carson Wentz to find him is just really really impressive like I don't think they've really had that sort of weapon uh, as a receiver in a long time like 
you know, Terry McLaurin's very impressive. He's their best receiver, but he's not necessarily, you know, he draws so much attention in the red zone anyway that it's hard to, to find him every time. But, you know, it's reminding me of Logan Thomas a little bit, but Logan Thomas is 6'6", you know? like <laughs> Jahan Dotson is not that. Right. Well, we, you know, that was the thing, right? The catch radius, yeah. um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, he's looked really uh, good so far. Um, Mention the injuries on the defensive line, perhaps. And we don't know. We don't have much of an update on Wise or Hill. I did see Hill in the locker room and seemed to be sitting there comfortably talking to his teammates. So maybe not as a big of a deal there. But obviously concussions are hard to gauge. Chase Ruye goes down late in the first half. And obviously we know last year he suffered... I say late late in the game. Sorry, Matt's giving me a look like I, I'm uh, I'm, I'm uh, losing my mind, which is probably fair. Uh, late in the game, he goes down with a lower leg injury. Now I didn't. Was it the same leg that he hurt last year? I didn't. I don't know. Tennessee. Yeah, I, I'm not positive on that. But either way, obviously last year he had the significant leg injury, a broken fibula, and the ankle ligament damage as well. He goes down in the locker room. He was walking around on crutches couldn't put weight on the ankle definitely seemed to be in some pain and we'll have to see how that goes west schweitzer didn't play in this game because of his hamstring injury so they actually had to turn to west martin uh, who as we recall back in his earlier stint i played some center uh needless to say chase rie is a, a huge stabilizing force for this line the guy that calls all the signals this isn't just i mean any offensive lineman is a big deal but like there's always a bit extra significance with the center. So this will be something to watch. I won't even speculate about right. next week against the Eagles, but the interior offensive line has been banged up all year and it continues today. So that could be definitely a big loss. We'll have to see uh, about that one. Right. No, I mean, center particularly like Wes Schweitzer is your backup center. I know Wes Martin is their backup today, but you know, he's more of a guard. At least he was during his first stint. With Washington, Keith Ishmael's on um, San Francisco's practice squad. I guess they still have Toth on the practice squad that they could call up if they need an extra center. But it's you're getting really quick into like the territory they were in last year. But you know Tyler Larson still has another two games before he's eligible to come off uh, PUP, and who knows where he's at in his um, rehab. So it, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. If if Rulier is out this week or whatever, it, you know I wouldn't be surprised if they add like or try to add like another actual center. Uh, for for sure. Um, the, Detroit had a lot of big plays as we discussed. I, I, I there were some. I, mean, I give Detroit a lot of credit. I mean they are really an interesting looking team. Um, you know we'll see if Jared Goff can hold up over the course of the year, but between Aiden Hutchinson on defense and St. Brown and whatever, they look pretty good. The one defensive play, though, that is really inexplicable that I really want to go back and watch the tape was the DeAndre Swift 22-yard touchdown catch. This is a guy who we spent all week discussing how they need to pay attention to him as a runner, but he also obviously can make plays as a receiver. He missed practice time this week with an ankle injury, clearly not 100%. did have a 50-yard run earlier. So that they have the, 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 I think it was the 58-yard play from St. Brown to push the ball all the way into Washington's red zone. It's third and 15. The golf throws a short pass to Swift in the flat. Before anybody gets to him, he falls down. From there, he gets back up, splits two defenders coming at him, and then weaves his way all the way around across the field basically to find the end zone. 
like that's one of those plays where like if it happens in like week 15 you say well they've just given up on the season and i'm not of course i'm not saying that with the case but wow it was that that to me was as disheartening it appeared to be without seeing the replay or not without seeing the, the all 22 as, as as anything as anything else no i mean that was the the lead of my story <laughs> i checked the coach sheet and he said he saw an opportunity after falling down which you know it's not I asked a poor question to Bobby McCain of what he saw in the play the in the locker room, and McCain's like, well, he fell down, got up, and ran for a touchdown. I'm like, what the hell are you asking me that for? But I guess I should have asked, like, why, you know, why didn't you make the, the tackle while I was down? But if I actually went back and rewatched it afterward, and McCain's not really anywhere close when Swift actually falls down. You know, the reason he got up so fast is because there was really no one near him as he made the catch they were all kind of guarding the sticks and you could say yeah that makes sense it's a it's a check down throw on third and 15 but you know he's so like shifty and has such great acceleration you, you've got to account for him in that situation yeah uh, that's what i'm saying it's like, just bizarre that like of all the people that guy I mean, I get it. Third and fifteen, you're thinking, well, they gotta probably go towards the end zone. But mm-hmm. that guy, like, he's not just the, the random extra piece. Um, last thing, uh, we spent a lot of time this week. I don't know if you remember talking about Jamin Davis, <laughs> in part because of j- j- comment from Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera, which were mm-hmm. candid comments about what they thought. We asked about Jamin Davis post game, and almost because of the, everything else was happening, I don't know why I didn't. I haven't read your story or anybody else's yet, so I don't know what other people have been saying. But this is what Ron Rivera said about what he saw from Davis. Quote, well, a little inconsistency. Again, as a young guy, he's going to learn and grow. But, hey, we're running out of time as far as that's concerned. We've got to go out and be consistent. That's a big part of it. End quote. Uh, th- that's almost harsher than the last game on some level. Um because of the time is running out part, they use one of the questions you and I were talking about before the game was how much would they play um, other linebackers? Because last week it was just Holcomb and Davis. David Mayo was playing a, a, a bunch this game. They went with some five defensive linemen, uh, five defensive back, one linebacker looks. So they really were trying to figure out ways to kind of hide Davis, I guess, to a degree. He did have a sack early and we'll have to see, I'll have to look at the all 22 to see exactly what he did. But that, that who cares what I think. The coach said, hey, we're running out of time. That is notable. No, absolutely. And you did see it more this week with David Mayo. I, Admittedly, I picked the wrong linebacker. I was guessed, I guessed with Ben how many snaps John Bostic would uh, play. But it, it seemed like David Mayo got those reps over Bostic. But same thing applies. I mean, it seems like they trust him more in run defense. And, you know, I think what stood out to me about last week is they were talking about Jamin Davis as a in pass coverage. They were talking about leverages and how he needs to understand that better. And that, you know, he had a strong training camp, but, you know, he, he kind of reverted to his rookie year for that. That's supposed to be the strength of his game. They don't trust him to be on the field for defending the run, and we saw that again uh, today. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it feels like he's... Like in the and this is a different discussion maybe, uh, but like you know it feels like he's a, at this point 
it's still early in the process for him, relatively speaking. But like, especially in a world where Chase Young is out, like having him rush the passer more, it feels like he's clearly more comfortable, sort of right at the line of scrimmage, making those plays where he has to react. You can just see the slowness, and that's the part that's uh, that, that's tough right now. Um, any other final takeaways from you? Uh, I don't know. Joey Slime missed an extra point late. I don't know if that's a big deal, but. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we didn't talk a ton about Carson Wentz. He made a lot of explosive plays. There's a bunch of stats out there. I think I think I saw a stat that said he's the first quarterback basically ever to have at least three touchdowns and 300 yards passing in his first two games with a new team. Sure. Take that for what it's worth. The as, as to your point right off the top, this offense looks potentially explosive. It needs to be more consistent. Yeah. But but the defense does feel like where where the issues lie. And uh, by the way, here's my PSA to the world: to the people out there who still think this is a good defense, stop. This isn't 2020 anymore. Every time I hear somebody tell me that, I'm like, uh, are you watching? This is not that group anymore. Yeah, and I think the thing is with the offense that it seems like from the first two games there's going to be a called spell at some point and so when is that going to happen is it going to be the beginning of the game like it was today is it going to be in the middle of the game like it was week one but they showed they've had the talent and kind of the the wherewithal to be able to withstand that cold spell and kind of get back on track if the defense has the cold spell it goes off the rails pretty quickly and so i think that's kind of the difference between those two units if you're looking at them um, go, uh, you, you should be interested in, uh, following Matthew Paris on Twitter. He's at Matthew underscore Paris, uh, on Twitter. Go find him at the Washington times. Again, you can yell at me at Ben standing on Twitter. Uh, yeah. I mean, let me know what you thought of this game. Again, I would just encourage everybody to remember it is only week two and I still don't feel like I have a co- complete read on this team, but I feel more comfortable suggesting than I did a week ago that the defense has a long way to go and there's 15 games left but to sort of use Ron Rivera's quote on James we're kind of running out of time um all right uh that is it for this episode of the standard room only podcast thanks everyone for always checking it out until next time see ya